Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about combat and how to make it more interesting. More exciting. More fantastic. More better. More better. I like that one. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of times we talk about combat and we don't really talk about what as a GM or as a GM, how could you, how do you do combat? Do you just have them roll dice and them tell you the damage and click off the monster though i've done that in the past and i'm guilty of doing it to get past the encounter why would you put an encounter from in front of the characters unless they mean something but i think a lot of a lot of games are combat geared right like D, everybody talks about how everything that revolves around combat and I, i'm not going to disagree uh the a lot of combat spells everything revolves around doing damage about killing stuff right killing things so i understand that now other games there might not be any combat i'm sure there's some well i know there is like detective games or sleuth games but combat usually comes into the game either because the heroes the characters are are put in a bind at some point right like even even the mystery shows that you watch every once in a while he's gonna have to get into a fisticuffs or something every once once in a while though for the most part they usually abhor violence because anybody who in the real world who's like a detective or investigator knows that violence can be really nasty <laughs> a la the rockford files <laughs> the rockford files or that that murdoch mysteries right because if somebody gets shot it's not gonna end well for the person who gets shot or gets cut with a sword in real life. Now, in fantasy, it's a little bit different. So, Well, D&D combat is always exciting to me. The fact that somebody says roll initiative yeah, means that... Just is flowing. Oh, something exciting is going to happen. But if you're in a large party and there's a lot of bad guys and, it's a, and you've set out the battle mat and all of everything is out there, your miniatures and stuff... The miniatures make it more exciting, but the actual battle, especially with the boys, they're calculating how much damage they can do, and it it becomes like technical and not necessarily as exciting or to use the term awesome, which I told Saul I didn't think we should probably use, but because combat and awesome may not go together. But to make it more exciting for you or to put you more into the moment, right? calculating the numbers and just going, okay. I think, like Ian will always say, oh, I think this is a, and that thing has how many hit points, right? Yeah, and that kind of yeah. takes the 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 joy out of the fight for me, because then you're going, oh, these kids are just trying to get, which to them is, is, is very exciting, killing the monster, right? Yeah, it, it is. I'm not sure you. Getting you, over the challenge of whatever you put in front right. of them, right? And, it's, and they don't see it as a role-playing aspect of, oh, oh, you know... This is what we're here for. we're here for, or, you know, we don't really need to fight these guys because this is not part of our goal, where the boys, as we collectively call them, are more than happy to get into any fight to defeat any monster because it is a... They get to use their weapons and their skills and their spells and... Right, everything that they work their character for. Right. Right. So you're right. I think that's a... I want to say a, I don't know about a problem, but that is probably something that most <clears throat> excuse me 
that a lot of people don't want to get into, right? They don't want to get into this mechanical way of doing combat where you just roll dice, do damage, and then tell me, oh, next. And then everybody in the row tells me. Because that reminds me of the time when I was, uh, at, and I've told the story where I was, at, my brother took me to the Monterey Gaming Club in Monterey, of all places. And and it was it was like in a community center right there by by uh, Dennis the Menace Park. Anyway, and the particular GM that I had was running a dungeon. And I had a character, and we're all in line because it was a 10 by 10 hallway. And there was a door, and they would open the door. And, they, and they, we had the caller guy, right? Yes. I told you about that. And the caller would tell everybody, would tell the GM what we were doing. Now, he never asked us what I wanted to do. He would just say, okay, uh, Bill and Bob, you're going to be in front. Saul and James, you're going to be second. And then, and then when they throw, those guys would go down, we would pull them back, and then we would step up and fight. And all we got to do is roll damage. or I mean, roll to hit and roll damage. And it was completely boring, and I never went back. Now, my mistake was thinking that they all did the same thing. So I didn't really didn't like that. And like I said, I, I should have gone back because I noticed there was other tables. And I'm not sure other tables did exactly like this guy. Well, you know, speaking of that, that's an interesting um, story because when I was doing research on this, I noticed that sometimes when you don't type in TTRPG, you get computer RPGs. All the time. Yeah. And one of the articles that I, I looked at and I didn't realize it was a computer RPG until the guy said each person should have at least six characters to run. And I go, oh, what am I reading? <laughs> And but that when you tell that story about the caller, that's kind of like the person playing an RPG online, right? Yeah. yeah. And Augustine and Alan have like their clerics and stuff when they play D O D D D D D O online. D and D online. Um, and stuff like that, right? And you hear them go, "My cleric, my cleric killed itself instead of me," and things like that, right? Killed himself. Yeah. He, that's what I said. Healed. I said killed himself. <laughs> It's early, but those are their hirelings. Right. No, but what I'm saying is that, is that the caller was using you guys like cannon yeah. fodder as you're going, right? I don't even know. I've never played anything close to that. Even like when we were playing dungeons, right? Not that we played a lot of dungeons. My brother, I've said it over and over again. He took us out of dungeon pretty, pretty early on. And I was like, oh, this is because my brother really liked going there and he really liked playing there. I think he just liked playing because, you know, he, he didn't get to play with us because he was always. Our I don't game. think all callers were like that, because why would you play a game when when yeah. you're not allowed to say or do anything? Right. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, or maybe I was just new and I and he didn't want to listen to me, but I didn't hear anybody telling him anything like, oh, I know I'd rather do this. Maybe he was just a tyrant. Oh, do that. I think, well, that could be it, too. He was a tyrant. But it was it was so like literally, uh, I got to roll dice and that was about it. So, what are your ideas on how to make combat more exciting? Oh, okay, yeah, I did, I did make a list. I think the first thing I said was try to be more de descriptive, and this is something I've probably on on every level should everybody should practice, right? Make be more descriptive of the situation, and and I think that makes it takes it out of this what is it, this mechanical fight of just hit, damage, HP loss, that, that kind of stuff. I think that the most descriptive game that you've described before is like Feng Shui, where right. it's not so much what you're going to do, 
it's how you're going to do it, right? What is in your what is in your vicinity that you can use to improve your whatever weapon you're using or what you're going to do? Can you pick something up and use it? Right. The kind of um, Hong Kong action theater. action theater kind of thing where it's not just about taking your gun out and shooting them, but how you do that. Yes, it's the look. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, a lot of this can be done by the GM and hopefully it'll give the players the idea of, of where, what you're going after. Inspire the players. Right. I guess you could do it like in a session zero or say at one point, even if you're going through an on, ongoing campaign, say, I'm going to try to change combats a little bit, make them more descriptive and see what you guys think. Help me out a little bit. If you weren't playing that way before and if you and you got this idea, are you getting this idea after you've already had your session zero and after your campaign's already gotten uh, gone for a little bit. So I was thinking, like, be more descriptive about the foes that that the players are facing, and also ask ask the players, what are you trying to do? Like, what are you gonna do? Instead of saying, uh, instead of just that, well, what, what do you what do you roll to hit? Instead of doing that, say, what are you trying to do? And then if they're very descriptive, then maybe give them a, a bonus to their combat because they're helping you describe things. And I think. I think I tried that for a little while and it was working and people were being more descriptive about things. But because I had a large table, I think it was a large table of eight time when we were running D and D, right? I think it was eight. Everybody describing something was, would definitely slow down the combat. So, so I kind of moved away from that kind of super description type of stuff. Well, I think maybe you could have every other person describe their combat then. So if you don't want it to take too long. <clears throat> or have them do it once, right? Say right, right. Oh, and then I, for description, not only like what are you gonna do, but maybe you should know what your weapon looks like and what kind of damage it does, how it how it does stuff, right? Yeah. Like if you're swinging a war hammer versus a sword, right? You're gonna be bashing Bash, things instead exactly of instead of okay. slicing through, right? Right. Yeah, slashing and bashing. Yes, exactly. Uh, I I totally agree. So another thing I was I have on my list is location, and like all realty and businesses, it's all about location, 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 right? Those are three most important things. So location to me is like where are where is this combat happening, and how is that going to impact the the situation? The situation. So if you're in a forest, it might block line of sight. Uh, things might jump out of the trees. Characters might hide behind trees. You might trip on the pine cones on the ground. The vines and stuff and the roots does that. If it takes place in a city, there's there's buildings, obviously, but maybe there's roofs and awnings and all these other places. Or, you know, everything from rooms to outdoors to dungeons, for one. There might be, you know, maybe it's not a, a real, what do you call it, well-made dungeon, right? The, the stones are not flat on the ground and it's dark and it's murky and there's puddles of dank water here and there. So use that. to May you hope you're hoping it's water. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. I never thought about that. But there, yeah, there's liquid like substances <laughs> on the. So, it could be poison uh, for all use, you know. Yeah, you use. Oh, that's even better. You could use these descriptions. Both as a GM and maybe a player can use them, right? Was and there a loose rock? I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick the loose rock and and 
and try to trip uh, the monsters or whatever. The boys would say, are you sure that's not a mimic? Because, <laughs> you know. They would be very cautious. The, I think it's important if you're talking about description that you can always pull out a, a picture, right? Or pull up a picture if you're on roll 20 of what you're envisioning this fighting right. area as looking at. Like, right. it's a construction set. It's a, it's a, um, a road with trees on both sides of it. A great ambush spot. Yes. There's big giant boulders, right? You show them the <laughs> picture. Well, it leads me to the other one. Not only is location pre uh, uh, important, but stuff on the field. I put stuff on the field and on the, my notes. And that's just stuff that could be there, like boulders, like you said, trees. If you're in a warehouse, boxes of stuff, pallets of stuff. I always liked warehouses because I usually, and I like warehouses in Feng Shui because it can be anything there. And I, and I purposely put the stuff in warehouses or events in warehouses because players via the characters can be very inventive about what they're going to do and how they're going to use the space with their combat skills or in the fight. Because Feng Shui is a Hong Kong action role-playing game, there's a lot of fight scenes in it. Well, yeah. So, so I was thinking like I like warehouses, and I and I don't really describe it fully, except to say that there's a lot of uh, boxes and pallets everywhere. Well, it's and then and then I let the players like come up with I forget somebody goes, is there a forklift? I go, yeah, sure. And they're like, okay, was it? What kind of forklift is it? I go, well, what, what kind of forklift are you envisioning? Like a little one with the two forks or the real big wide one that lifts like three pallets at a time? He goes, oh, I'll take that one. <laughs> I'll, take, right? I'll take that one. And so then he goes ramming through the boxes and stuff and creating havoc, which is you know, what fake is about. Well, and not only that, but I remember when I threw a fireball in Shadowrun and we were in this marketplace, right? Outdoor marketplace. An outdoor marketplace. And <laughs> it's really important for you to realize that fireballs are... are... They explode in fire? Yes. <laughs> it's one of my biggest questions to Saul as when we're playing games and I'm throwing fireballs is, what is around me because I don't really want to burn stuff down or a lightning bolt. I don't want to take down the cavern that we're in, right? Well, this fireball, it hit the people, the guys that we were doing, but it also burned up part of the marketplace which i felt really really bad about yeah because it was like a rug place uh beneath behind <laughs> and you set the whole place on fire so that kind of the scene that Saul set with that description of me burning down the market right it made the boys come alive right because then they had to not only deal with the bad guys but we had to make amends to the people that we just deal destroyed with the fire. right <laughs> And it's after math effects, yeah. So that made the combat a little more exciting. No, it was well, it was in, pretty good. In Shadowrun, combat's always exciting because you never know if you're actually going to hit stuff or do stuff, especially if you're using magic. Yeah, magic's a big outlier in that one. And it, I think it's as crunchy as that game is. And I and we've talked about Shadowrun 5th Edition. And in fact, I've, I've been playing in a Shadowrun 5th Edition game. And the GM... And everybody has a hard time with the rules because it's such a, it's such a complicated game. I mean, they're like I've talked, we've talked about it before. I'm, I'm sure we've done an episode on Shadow yes. Edition. And though I love the game and I even like the system, it's just as a GM, it is a headache for me to run. And obviously, it was for Jim because he had a tough time running that game. But I guess if you really are like, like the, the, I remember a long time ago. Chris Brown told me about 
this guy who knew D and D three third edition three point five uh, backwards and forwards. He knew all the rules. He had memorized the whole book. And maybe he's one of those people that can memorize photographic memory or whatever. Whatever. That's a lot of stuff to memorize. <clears throat> yeah, at least the core books. And so having him even at the table running the game, it was like for Chris, he he loved it, right? Because he he didn't he didn't question him too much about the rules and stuff. But I thought it was very interesting. I go, and I guess if you can find somebody who's really into fifth edition, then that would be a fun game to play in. Because at the moment, and the way we've been playing, and we don't play often is a problem also. Shadowrun is a game that you got to keep playing, keep playing. It's like it's like learning a language, right? If you don't use that language, you tend to get really rusty, and then you get that broken language. Especially if you play a... a- a magic user or a techno a techno because because you literally have to remember all the things about throwing spells and what it means what you have to do how much damage you're possibly going to take and right how to figure that out how to calculate it and, and that's another reason i like shadow run is because magic in that sense is so dependent on how much risk you are willing to take to make about how much power to put into your spell and and I love the idea that the more power you put into a spell, the more chance that spell is going to drain you, right? And if you take too much drain, it actually can do... Knock you out. Damage. or yeah, yeah. Literally knock you, knock yeah. you out because they're stunned. I've had that happen it's, to me before. Yeah, but I mean, and that's the kind of decisions you make as a, as a, uh, a sorcerer. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Well, I don't know if they... I don't, they're just... No, they're magicians. They're Magician. called magicians. Magician. Okay. Magic users. Yes. In Shadowrun and... And that's like the sacrifice you make, right? I go, I'm going to give it this spell all my all and... Hope somebody picks up your body and takes right. it and with hopefully them. Hopefully it, it huh? kills the monster or defeats whatever you're fighting. And then somebody is alive still to come pick me up and not, I don't get brutalized and taken prisoner. And that causes the scenes in Shadowrun to be more descriptive because of the of the... Of what's going to happen to you, right? So, like, if you're going to go and do a an astral an astral projection yes. thing, you need to have somebody that's going to protect your physical body. And uh, that happened last <laughs> night with with Philip. He's a magician, and he goes, "I'm going to actually project." And then, uh, guys, watch my body. That's what I always say. I, I always tell Alan, "Please don't don't leave me alone. <laughs> I don't want to come back and there not be a body to come yeah, back that to." That would be fun. So location stuff on the field, all, all that stuff matters. Let the players discuss what they're going to do. Yeah, and describe what they're going to do. Well, let them discuss what they're going to do, I guess, in a pre-combat type of uh, tactics session. or. But only, only give them a, a couple minutes to do this. Well, other. depending on what the situation is. Yeah. Like in Shadowrun, you plan, 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 and then you try to do the job. And everything changes because all that. Wasn't there like a whole session of planning? Yes. A whole six, five hour session of planning one day. And then there's an extra guard that you didn't know about or something, right? Or something you missed, right? That could happen. And if the GM is listening to you plan, then expect the unexpected. (laughs) I've never changed it. Well, I have not changed stuff in a while. I think that's pretty important is to let them plan. But once combat starts, then the tactician stuff is over. I remember... I remember I let you guys get away with a lot of stuff while playing Pathfinder, D&D. And even if it's That's because they were kids. Well, yeah. But even like Steve, he would say, well, I, I'm going to do this. And then he would change his mind. And I'm the like, biggest oh. kid at the table. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so 
So I also would you I would ask the the players to be more descriptive, right? Describe what you're trying to do, uh, what they want to do, what they want. Describe what they want to do instead of instead of uh, just foregoing the 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 damage and the to hit and then damage and I take off the hit points. What are you trying to do? What what, what you know? Instead of like, because somebody like Ian likes doing this, right? And and I think that's a good thing about Ian is that he likes describing what his characters and even to down to the motivation of why he's doing it this way, which that might be a little bit more much, especially when you have a lot of players. But I do like the fact that he does try to be descriptive in in, the, in his attempt to do stuff. And I think the only flaw he has is that he tries to too much, right? You know, he's he, if he cut that in half, that would be perfect. But because he really wants to be descriptive. He's throwing all these elements in, which may or may not be possible. And then, uh, but you know, it, but that's good, right? I'd rather have somebody try to describe too much than just say, oh yeah, uh, I swing my sword at uh, 23 hit points. Next. Well, somebody, that might be the most they can do at that particular moment. So, you know. Yeah, but you can be more descriptive. Is like, you know, I go like, well, what are you trying to do? Are, are, are you... Are you just trying to kill the monster? Are you trying to scare him off? Are you trying to... What about the ones behind him and all this other stuff? Especially like in D&D. You know, where you get piles of monsters backed up against you. You know, because you could like... Like, for example, if he were if he were to say, Well, I'm going to I'm gonna try to bash his brain in, right? Or I'm going to try to hit him where blood splatters on the rest of him, right? And then I'm going to scream, Arr! Well, I go, Whoa, that'd be interesting. And then he does 23 hit points of damage, right? So he might kill the monster, that's his, or I should say the foe that he's fighting. But I'm going to take into consideration what he said. And then, because of the way that he did and how he described it, the foes behind him might like, oh, they're going to start... Backing off because they're, they're seeing this crazy person, yes. right? Crazy dwarf or whatever he is now. And I know that after you were watching or listening to uh, Matt Mercer's Oh, yeah. game you you came up with the or and other people have done it too but the describing the killing blow right right the the critical hits and stuff yeah or in, in that case is the killing blow or the critical fails yes and i think that's i think what what that does i mean i like the idea of you describing the the final hit or whatever how you you dispatch the foe but on top of that uh what happens a lot of times is critical hits right critical hits or critical failures happen and i think as a we've talked about this as a single gm you might rack your brain after a while what to describe how what a critical hit or a critical fail looks like or what it is and what, what it does i think the best idea is to parcel that out to the players right because sometimes and i've heard this and i'm not sure if i still believe it but a lot of people who have who say like podcasts and stuff that I've read and I've heard and I've read blog posts and stuff. They say that players come up with worse stuff that they they were thinking, right? You know, as far as critical fail, they were thinking, "Oh, you critical fail your sword, oh, you drop your sword." But then they go, "My sword breaks and shatters into a a thousand pieces and is irrecoverably lost." And like, and the GM's like, "Oh well, I was just thinking." I'd never that. thought about that. I was just thinking you dropped it, but now you just rolled your sword, right? You got a backup sword. Now the guy's totally defenseless. Where before he could have just reached out and tried to grab his sword. Where if I roll a one, I could just say that I tripped, and everybody at the table would know that that's possible. <laughs> 
and my sword went flying. Well, yeah. Well, even then, like if even if it's the same thing over and over again, I think as a player, you might get tired of that trip and and lose your sword. You might come up with something different after right. a while. Right. Like yeah. Well, and and players will always come up with stuff that you aren't thinking of at the time because you're running the monsters and moderating for the players, right? In the in the the combat and the description, whereas the player, unless they're really into what everybody's doing, yeah. which they might be, but they're probably more into what they're going to do and how they're going to yes. do it. So they're going to have these ideas in their head as the combat's going along. Right. So they're more likely to describe things in a different way than you're thinking. Definitely. Yes. And everybody's different, right? And that's what makes, what most makes this game, this game, uh, RPGs very different than anything else is that you're all helping tell the story and you're all describing stuff. And I think that's what a lot of people like about it. I think it's important to when you're, when you allow your PCs to describe stuff Yeah. that you, you might want to set some, some gore rules, right? I don't want to hear about the innards coming out and being splattered on the ground. Right. But some of the people I play with believe that that's an important <laughs> aspect of the game to tell you how they left the dead body there. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm not into gory stuff either. Uh, I think I don't know. I don't know what I think about. I just that's what I think. And and so when people and I heard people get really grody, especially the boys, right? They get little. Well, they grody. they want to know. <clears throat> they want to tell you how the how they cut the head off and the blood squirted, right? Yeah. And I'm talking about Steve, not necessarily. The yeah, boys. and he <laughs> and then sometimes they get a little like, oh, I cut open and his guts come falling out and all this stuff. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And but I know if I'm asking for it, I'm fine. I don't know how much gore is too much gore. I guess if it get, c- keeps going on, they're, they're not, not that descriptive. They're not, they're not that descriptive, and and uh, yeah, right. And I think uh, for the most part, I'm not that queasy about stuff like that. But but it can happen with certain people. Another thing I was thinking about was uh, <laughs> the absent-minded my, professor. My writing. So uh, a thing is for me is to keep the combat moving as quick as possible as soon as people are okay i do my damage here's my hit as soon as it becomes boring then combat should start ending because you don't want a long boring session of combat and so for me combat should be quick even in D where combats can take a long time i think you should just shorten it somehow either by having the creatures run away Instead of to the last kobold standing, and I've totally been guilty of this as a GM, where every creature to the last man to just keep running at him and stand in front of the PCs, and I think that's because I play that way when I'm a G- when I'm a player, I play that that I never retreat, never surrender. Right, even though I've been had the stark reality slap me in the face when there was this one dragon that was way beyond our capabilities to kill and we kept going after it and the gm like was kind of saving us by the dragon was like running away from us because we're kind of being a nuisance and we were trying to come up with all kinds of and then finally the the dragon was like in a hidey hole where we couldn't get to and we're like but we want to get that guy right so i think i told the story and then sip was running the game and then after all of a sudden none he the the, we never caught the dragon because he just ran away and then and then at one point he didn't run away. He just hid away in his cave. And then, uh, and I think at one point he came out and breathed on us and did a lot of damage to us. And we we're almost dead. 
but we came back and were able to heal you. You know, we had a cleric and whole healing potions, and we're like, oh, we're gonna get that guy. And then at one point, at the very end of the session, we finally—I don't know what happened. I think we finally just left, and then uh, because we were just like fed up with this thing, and then Sip goes, "Well, did you guys ever think about it? just run away, <laughs> get away from the creature because you couldn't kill it because it was too powerful?" And he was like, "We're like," and I was like, "Uh, what? <laughs> run away? Why would we run away?" And even with that reminder, and that sticks in my head, I still, I'm still to the last man standing. You know, I don't, I don't let the foes run away when half of them get decimated. Because like, if half of them get decimated, what makes the second half think that they're gonna do what to finish the job, right? If not even one PC has gone down, I'm like, hmm, you're right. They shouldn't even stick around. So that's a big problem. So keep the <clears throat> combat short. Keep it moving fast paced. And I know D&D and other games are, are hard to do that with, but because D&D, you have so many hit points. But Shadowrun and other games have changed this where they lower the hit points and they make the game more lethal no matter what level you are. I think uh, I was just reading a 20, 80, 2090, Low Life 2090, which is like a Shadowrun-inspired uh, uh, D20 game, a rote, uh, 5th edition game. And it doesn't have a lot of hit points. It caps the caps the level at 10 uh you never get more than uh, your constitution plus your bonus in in uh, in hit points and every level above that all you get is one hit point so you're averaging let's say constitution between 15 to to 23 in your first first level but then it just goes up by one hit point every turn every every level i i think maybe the reason that games have gone towards that way is gone that way right. not towards that way is th- what you're talking about combat taking too long not only combat taking too long but characters having so many hit points that they keep doing stuff right but when you're higher levels in D D, the um monsters do larger damage to you right so combat can take less time if they kill you quickly <laughs> I, guess, I guess you can just do put a tarask in front of them and just have them stomped on them but anyway but Still, usually, usually people care about, what is it, challenge rating? Or, yes, all or, of those. Or, or foe rating or monster rating and make sure that the, that the encounter is balanced. And I've, I've told everybody in the, on this podcast and you, I could care less about balance. I throw monsters at them and I don't, I don't, I don't change stats and stuff. Unless it's a new, unless it's a monster I want to change because the, specifically the boys will know what the monster is and what it can do. And how many hit points it has, I will, and I've purposely told them, and I tell them to them over and over again, just because a monster is a certain way in the book doesn't mean that I am using that exact same monster. Because you guys have all read the book and memorized the book to a certain extent. Especially the monsters. <laughs> Especially the monsters. I want to throw you something different. I'm going to throw you a curveball. And it doesn't matter because it's my world. I'm going to change whatever I want. And there's been a few surprises every once in a while. They go, oh, that. I think it was either it was Augustine or Ian. They go, oh, he does, he can't do that. I go, oh yeah, he can. Yes, he it was did. probably Augustine. He just did it. <laughs> I think uh, we're running a little long, but there's a lot little things, a couple of things we could talk real quick. Uh, let foes do smart things, right? Just don't let them stand and take the hits. Let them maneuver about. Let them come up with ideas. Let them shout certain things and try to convince the players, the characters that. That he has like something up his sleeve, even if or no, even if they don't. 
that kind of stuff. Make them more interesting and than that, just a bunch it, of mooks to and kill. In turn, makes them more interesting, right? And I, I, and that's another thing. I like the idea of mooks. I think uh, the first time I ever heard of it was in Feng Shui, where mooks are characters that don't matter or NPCs. They're just cannon fodder. Well, it is a combat action, Hong Kong, Hong Kong action game. So you mow mooks down, right? They're the ones you just you, to get to the bad guy. In the movies, they're the ones that. That uh, like John Wick, right? He kills everybody until he gets to the real bad guy, and that's the guy who isn't gonna go down with one shot to the head, right? He's 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 too skilled, right? And that's and that is uh, what a mook is. A mook is all these. That's why you always do two shots to the head. (laughs) (laughs) Mooks are people that can go down and 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 you can mow down as a as a player character, but then you have a name character who's a little bit smarter, a little bit hardier, obviously. And is a little bit different. The boys would call it the boss. I, I've been t- 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 calling it the big bad guy. Some people call it the big bad. Uh, play to the player strengths real quick. Uh, if you know that a certain character has a special weapon or something like that, but they hardly use it because it doesn't really come into play. I know I really uh, upset Augustine when I gave the trident to Kathy because it was super powerful. And I, I'm like, and I amended it and in play. Because I realized, oh yeah, that that would definitely change things. Having to teleport to it and all this other stuff. And still, I think uh, the reason I put that in is because she didn't have a weapon that she thought was very, what is it? She didn't think that her combat did anything because the boys were really, really strong, right? right? They they build mini maxer characters right. and, and she, she built a character that, you know, she thought was cool. Right. And, but the... But the fact that she didn't have a magical weapon or even her sword, even if it was a plus two or something, wasn't doing the kind of damage or giving her the spotlight, right? Letting her do something that was would actually make a difference. But that trident, man, really made her really made her happy. Yes. Yes. Uh, what my argument to Augustine at the time is that she wasn't even doing, even with the trident, she wasn't doing as much damage as they were. Right. And I'm like, so where are you guys? But he was cry- not crying, but he was complaining about that trident. Go, oh, it's way too powerful, Dad. You should have given her that. I know you just gave her that to make her fair, whatever. You know, my son is a little big, big baby. And I'm like, yeah, but she she does half the damage you do. She did like 23 points of damage or 27. You do like 53 points of damage. What are you crying about? He was still not happy. But that's what I'm talking about. Play to the player's strength. If you know that a player has fireball and and really likes using fireball, then then put them in a location where fireball would really work, or make it really dangerous. A nice confined space. <laughs> and then last, last but not least, is have fun. Right, the whole idea of combat is to have fun. Don't make it. Don't let it. Go. Don't make it too long. Don't make it too long. Don't let it get boring. If players are seemingly like kind of bored or, or not having fun, I don't mix it up. Do all these things, change them, make them shorter, make them more fast-paced, make them more exciting, and I think you'll have a lot more fun. Have half the bad guys slip away. Yeah, that definitely works. I mean, there's no reason why they will fight to the last man. So I think the whole point of this episode for Saul is to tell you to be more descriptive in your combat. That'll help. Make it more exciting that way by by making the players describe stuff, not making it too long, and yeah, and get the players involved in that description, yeah. not just you. That because you're not writing a book. Well, not writing a book, but two also is that it keeps them involved. Right, it's better for them to be involved than 
you orating some <laughs> lecture to them. Yes. So there you go. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul. Angeline. You have a good day.